0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Thank God for His holy written word. Praise God. We're talking about in case you didn't know this morning the resurrection of our Lord and Savior the Lord Jesus Christ and as an introduction I want to share with you seven of the feast days that if you were living in the Jewish community you're required to celebrate throughout the course of a year and these seven feast days reveal to us God's wonderful plan of redemption for mankind and we're going to show you how that every one of these feasts point to Jesus every one of them and that Jesus fulfills each and every one of these feast days. And we're going to show you their meeting just real quick. So, number one, the first feast day, feast of Passover. We talked about that on Friday, Good Friday. Jesus is our sacrificial lamb who was sacrificed on Good Friday, fulfilling the Passover that the Jewish people celebrate when they came out of Egypt and were delivered from Egyptian slavery. So that was just a type, and the fulfillment of the type is Jesus who became our. Passover, who was sacrificed for the Passover lamb. Aren't you glad for that? The second one is called unleavened bread. Celebration of the unleavened bread was when they cleaned the house, got rid of all the leaven, which meant get rid of sin. In John's gospel, chapter 129, we are told that Jesus is the lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. So in other words, he cleaned house. He dealt with the sin problem, which was the day after Good Friday. And then the third feast is called the feast of first fruits, the resurrection. He fulfills first fruits as being the first raised from spiritual death. Now notice in we're gonna look at this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse twenty. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the what? See, he's the first fruits. He's the fulfilment of the Jewish feast day, the first fruits of them that slept or who were dead and so that's the third one then the fourth one and these are all spring feasts the fourth one was 50 days later the day of Pentecost Jesus fulfilled the Pentecost feast day as Matthew 3:11 says he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire so on that day on the day of Pentecost praise God he baptized him with the Holy Ghost and fire so there we have the first four spring feasts fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ the last three are called the fall feasts anybody not a trick question what's between spring and fall the rest of you what is it called and what takes place during the summer is the harvest right you sow in the springtime you reap in the harvest throughout at the end of the summer okay So we're living in 2,000 years of summer. How's your vacation? You've been enjoying the warm weather? 2,000 years on God's timetable have been summertime. And what are we doing? We're reaping the harvest. We're preaching the gospel, letting people know that Jesus is coming again. He's coming again soon. It's been 2,000 years. We know we've been saying it over and over and over and over again, but he's coming soon. So, the next event is going to be called the Feast of what? Trumpets. Well, how are we going to know when it's time for the Feast of Trumpets? Well, when summertime is over and how's it going to end? And just in case you don't know, watch this. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 verse 42, "Watch therefore, For you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... prayer line forms here for heart palpitations. <laughs> Do you think you would have time to get ready? Did you see how quick that was? Absolutely. It can h- take place at any moment. Everything is positioned right now for that to take place at any moment. So you'll know when the feast of trumpets sounds. And how does Jesus fulfill that? Well, he is the high priest. And the high priest calls them off the harvest field to come in to father's house. And when that sounds and you can see it in first Thessalonians chapter four he comes in the clouds and the graves are opened, the dead in Christ rise and we meet him in the air and it happens that fast. So if we're not ready we need to be ready. Now the next one is the tricky one. Notice atonement. This is the sixth one. The day of atonement really is the only fall feast that's already been fulfilled. Jesus entered into the the, uh, holiest place of all with his own blood and made atonement for our sin but Why is it there then it's there because the Orthodox Jew has not received or accepted the blood of Jesus Christ as the atoning sacrifice for their sin. We who are either Gentiles who are born again or Messianic Jews who are born again as well who have accepted the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. We've applied it to our lives but the Orthodox Jew hasn't so what's going to happen after the seven years of tribulation after that takes place that you just saw that is the feast of trumpets and the rapture of the church when Israel is about to be destroyed Jesus will be coming in the clouds of glory and when they see him as they're about to be destroyed they will finally recognize him as their Messiah they'll accept his atoning blood for the sacrifice of their sin and they'll get born again too isn't that wonderful and the last feast is the feast of tabernacles and you can see it in Revelation 20 in verse 6 where it says that he's going to reign on earth for a thousand years one thousand year millennial reign tabernacle means to dwell together with us on this earth And it'll be a wonderful time. So you can see those seven feast days. But what feast are we celebrating today? You have your notes in front of you. (laughs) First fruits. Is he alive? Is he risen from the dead? Praise God, he sure is. All right, now what we're going to do is we're going to let Peter preach to us this morning. Is that okay? In Acts chapter 2 and on the day of Pentecost, When Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost, remember cowardly Peter, who was the one who denied Christ three times, who then after his death, he hid and and all that. Remember that story? Let me just set it up real quick. Peter was a common fisherman. A fisherman lived a pretty rough and gruff life. They had a difficult time being kind and nice. I mean, they had a rough exterior. You had to be. You had to be out there on the waves and the wind and the sea and all that and all that he did. Well, Peter, one day, having a mundane life, monotonous life, met Jesus. His hopes and dreams and aspirations went skyrocketing. And as he walked with Jesus and witnessed many things that we'll talk about in a moment, I mean to tell you, he was way up here on an all-time high. But the day Jesus died, he went from the all-time high to the all-time low. And he was so sad, so upset. He thought, I thought for sure he's the Messiah. I thought for sure he was the called one. He was the one that was going to lead us and deliver us from Rome, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, that didn't happen. On the day of Pentecost, after Jesus was raised from the dead, when Jesus was raised from the dead, his hopelessness Went to the highest level ever. When he appeared at Peter and he saw Peter. And Peter saw him. Peter went wild. He did what Jesus said. Go wait in the upper room. After he ascended 10 days. You'll get filled with the Holy Ghost. And when Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Right there in Jerusalem. Among all these Jewish individuals. He begins to preach this powerful message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and when he does he impacts the lives of so many people that many get saved I give him an a-plus on this sermon an a-plus and so we're going to look at it look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 22 he has a three-point message it's based on three lines of evidence And the first line of evidence is going to be the life that Jesus lived. We call it his miraculous life. Look at verse 22. Now now picture this. These are the people he cowered from. These are the people that he feared. These are the people that he denied Jesus before. You men of Israel hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you. Notice by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know line one of his evidence is this his miraculous life and look at Luke's gospel chapter 5 because this is where it began with Peter. Now remember he's this lowly Peter Peter's this fisherman monotonous life every single day out there on the sea catching fish every day. He had a family business his brother worked with him providing for the family. And here before he ever ever meets Jesus this is what happened now when he had left speaking he said he Jesus asked to borrow Peter's boat he toiled all night long to catch some fish there were no fish to catch and so they're now tired they're weary they were up all night long Jesus asked to borrow his boat he borrows his boat Jesus preaches a message from his boat and now it's over and Jesus says this when he had left speaking he said to Simon launch out into the deep and let down your everybody say nets. Notice it's plural, nets that's for a draft. And Simon answering said to him, Master, we've told all, night, all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, at thy word, I will let down the what? What? Look at it again. The what? Is that singular or plural? What did Jesus say to do? Let down the what? That's more than one, isn't it? And what did he do? He let down one net. Let down the net. A little bit of doubt there. Well, you have to understand he's a skilled fisherman. He knows fish. He knows fishing. He knows all about it. We told all night there's nothing there. But at your word, I'll just go ahead and do it. I'll appease you. I'll let down the net. Okay. And when they had this done, he said we've taken nothing. I'll let down the net. When When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break and they beckoned unto their partners which were on the other ship and they that they should come and help them and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink and when simon peter saw it he fell down at jesus knees saying depart from me i'm a sinful man O lord you think peter saw something he never saw before can you imagine this draft of fish that they caught I believe that when Peter off went off into ministry with Jesus and followed him throughout all his days, that that draft of fish, that catch of fish, provided for his whole family for the three and a half years that he was gone with Jesus. Because Jesus would never leave him without providing the need for his family. Now you imagine that. But that was the beginning of the miraculous life that Jesus demonstrated before Peter and all the others. It goes on to say that he healed the, the blind, the deaf, uh, the maimed, were made whole, and the lame. And And it goes on to say that Jesus Peter watched him walk on water you know we can just throw that out there and say that try walking across the Ohio River one day but imagine him watching him walk on water successfully and about what about this not only did he walk on water he was not even on the boat when he started his journey he was on the shore he gets he walks on water throughout the night and he walks over to where they're at they're having a storm and they're they're fearing for their lives and Peter gets out walks on the water with him gets on a boat and the boat all of a sudden is at the other he watched translocation take place. He watched him turn water into wine. He saw him heal the sick, cleanse the leper, saw him raise the dead, and when Lazarus, who was dead four days. Now listen, if you're going to raise somebody from the dead, do it on the first day. Don't wait till the fourth day. It's harder. His body now is beginning to decay. And they're all there, and they watched all these miracles take place. Wow. Peter appeals to the miraculous life of Jesus. And guess what? Even Jesus made mention of his own life. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 14. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the very works sake. He's telling these religious leaders. If you don't believe me, believe my works because they testify who I am. Look at the next one in chapter 10. Then came the Jews round about him and they said to him, how long does... Thou make us doubt. It actually means how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Are you going to hold us in suspense? For if thou be the Christ. Here's the question. If you're the Christ, well just tell us plainly. Jesus says, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. So if you don't believe me look at all the works have you ever seen someone open up the eyes of a blind man or a leper to be cleansed or someone who is maimed who doesn't have a body part is made whole or someone with a withered hand who's not not formed is deformed and right before your eyes is made whole you've seen all this take place believe my works if you don't believe me and then look at john's gospel chapter three here is a leader uh in the in the uh jewish faith nicodemus is his name there was a man of the pharisees named nicodemus ruler of the jews the same came to jesus by night and said to him rabbi we know that you're a teacher come from god well how do you know for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except god be with him jesus didn't even respond to the miracles he said to him verily verily i say unto thee except the man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of god except the man be what born again he cannot see the kingdom of god so he begins to teach him about having a relationship with god through his blood but that's another st- subject and we'll talk about it another time. Look at John's gospel chapter 11. The Pharisees and also the religious leaders of the day, the priests and all that, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, "What do we for this man doeth? What many what? Many miracles if so if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. What a shame. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Now the truth comes out. He's their Messiah. They can't see him as their Messiah. They can't see the works. I'm telling you, it's right before their eyes. They asked him, don't hold us in suspense. If you're the Messiah, let us know. He goes, I told you. Any one of you ever tell your child, I told you? And they said, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. You weren't listening. You weren't that's what my wife tells me that all the time. She's in the back with the kids. I could say that and get away with it. Unless she picks up the CD then I'm in trouble. Well, he told them but they wouldn't believe it. So he said, look, believe the miracles if you don't believe me. All right. Line two of the evidence that he's the Messiah. That he's the Savior of the world is his meaningful yeah, going back to Acts chapter 2 this is the second part and you get in your nose 24 but it's supposed to be 23 so correct that if you got a pen make that correction my fault him being delivered this is Peter's Pentecostal message to the Jewish camp that's his audience him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain So now he's telling them, look, you're the ones that were behind this. Go on Matthews chapter 27 and look at this one verse that's so important, sometimes overlooked at a time like this. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, there was an inscription written above his head. It was written in three languages, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. They set up over his head his accusation written This is the king of the Jews written in those three languages. It was written in Latin, which is the language of Rome. And why? Because they stand for government. Government and law. He wanted them to know something. And then it was written in Greek, and they stand for culture. The arts, philosophy, intelligence. They seek wisdom. And so there it was for them to see. Then it's in Hebrew for all the Jewish people to see and they stand for yes the laws of God and religion but you understand that man could never keep the laws of God the mosaic law it's impossible for man to keep it but it's written there for all three of them to see that hanging on that tree in the middle of these two male factors that were thieves and should have been on the cross Christ should have never been on the cross the cross was not for a Roman citizen. Because if you're a Roman citizen, you were not, you were exempt from being crucified, but it was reserved for those and there were like 30,000 at the time of Jesus that were crucified on a cross. 30,000 in Israel. Imagine that. I'm going to name one, Jesus. Name another for me. Anyone in the room can name another for me? their name I want to know the name of someone how come we don't know the name of twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine people because they didn't become sin for us because they're not the Passover lamb we know one because he's the one that we tell time by amen his name is Jesus so his death was not an ordinary death his death was an extraordinary death his life was not an ordinary life his life was an extraordinary life and let's go on to Matthew and let's read notice this in verse 39 and they that passed by and remember he's been whipped we're not going to go down that road again we know he's been whipped if you've seen passion of the Christ you know how badly he was whipped and all that and they passed by they reviled him wagging their heads and saying thou that destroys the temple and buildest it in three days save thyself if thou be the son of God come down from the cross likewise off the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders said he saved others himself he cannot save if he be the king of israel let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him he trusted in god let him deliver him now if he will have him for he said i am the son of god the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth he was first of all badly beaten and bruised and in awful pain because of what he suffered right now he's got to withstand all the verbal abuse coming and spewing out of the mouths of all these leaders that saw what he did. You see, when you're hanging on a cross like that and you're stripped naked before the world is seen and you're not very high up off the ground, they spin on them. And all these chief priests, they thought, oh, we got him now. If he's, if he's the one that could raise the dead, then how can he die? You see, it wasn't just an ordinary death. He chose to lay down his life. No one takes my life from me, he said. So I want you to just run this by your own thinking with me. While they're hurling all these statements and mocking him and criticizing him and being so cruel and so mean to him in that awful state that he was in. I can just listen to my Lord's thoughts. Friday's here and you've had your way. God, say what you want, but Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Oh, glory. See, he knew. Go ahead. Mock me. Go ahead. Laugh at me. Go ahead. Strike me. Go ahead. Punch me. Go ahead. Do what you want to do. Right now, I lay down my life, even for every one of you. So, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. But I just want you to know something. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Hallelujah. Let's read on. It wasn't an ordinary death. Look at verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. That's from 12 noon to 3 in the afternoon. Now, I want you to see this. Anybody else that you know that when they died, it became dark for three hours from noon to 3 in the afternoon? I don't think so. About the ninth hour, that's three in the afternoon, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of, the, of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave to him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus when he had cried again with a loud voice yielded up the ghost and behold the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom let's stop there just for a minute when he gave up the ghost when he died on Calvary's cross the first thing we see here happening is the temple veil was ripped in two from top to bottom what's so significant about that the temple was set up in such a way that on the outside you had the court of the Gentiles. Here's God in the holiest place of all. You've got the court of the Gentiles. You've got the court of women. You've got the court of Israel. And you've got the court of the priests. And the high priest was the only one that can go beyond that veil right there to get to the most holy place in all the world on planet Earth. No one else is allowed there except the high priest. And that's where they did all their services. And that's where they... Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, can the high priest go in there and offer blood? And he better have the right blood. No one dare step in there. Holiest place of all. When he gave up the ghost, that temple veil was ripped in two from top to bottom. And the Shekinah glory of the living God that was so feared of men went back to the high court of heaven. And now their temple is left desolate there's no God in there which is why for 2000 years they're in a state of defilement and they can't go in there and worship and they can't go in there and offer sacrifice you realize that there's no high priest today in the Jewish uh, community the priests have no duties see it's all just religion now there's no reality there what was that saying Jesus tore apart the wall that separated God from man and he made a way it's called the blood way it's called the the, the walkway paved with his blood that we can enter into the holiest place of all with his blood right before the throne of God. So let's read on. So the temple veil was ripped in two. the earth began to quake, the rocks rent. Remember Jesus said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. When was the last time you heard someone die? It got dark from 12 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon on that day. The temple bell was written twain from top to bottom. It's no ordinary death. And all of a sudden now the, the earth begins to quake. The rocks are crying out. And how about this one? And the graves were opened. It was the evening of the living dead. You'll get that in a moment. and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done they feared greatly and listen saying truly this was the son of God those centurion that were there saw many people die by crucifixion many 30,000 of them not one did they experience that that we just read and attested to and they stood there in fear and said he had to be the son of god no other explanation here he's the son of god it was no ordinary death now imagine this if you can those graves were open and after the resurrection bodies came out aunt martha aunt mary Uncle Lazarus, Uncle Isaiah, Jeremiah. Can you imagine some of your dead loved ones knocking on the door of your house? How you doing? I thought you were dead 20 years ago. Yeah, but Jesus came and paid us a visit and he says I should go and tell you that he's Lord. Isaiah said, didn't I tell you who believed my report to whom the arm of the Lord revealed? He'll grow up like him before a tender plant out of the root out of the dry ground. He has no form to come to when you see him. There's nobody you should desire him, but you know what? Surely he bore our sickness and he carried our pains, and with his stripes we are healed. Then Jeremiah said, "Then I tell you, he'll give you a new heart and a brand new life." Jonah said, "I'm the one he talked about." Jonah, I was in the belly of the well. I know I rebelled. I was a rebel when I was here on this earth, and I know I left from Tarshish. And I know I was. I didn't want to go there and, and, and preach. I know that, and so I spent some time in the belly of the well. But he brought me out. I'm alive and I just want to let you know. He's the Messiah. Can I ask you a question? How can they not believe? If they didn't believe him. If they didn't believe his resurrection. But their aunts and uncles that were there. That were dead for so many years. And came and knocked on the door. And just said he's the Messiah. Does that baffle your mind? How can they not believe? How can anybody be so dark. In their understanding. It wasn't an ordinary death. Oh, my friend, no, it wasn't. It was substitutionary. It was motivated by love for us. And listen, the song you heard, he carried you on that cross. He carried you on his shoulders. He carried you. He paid your price. He paid your sin debt. And when he arose from the dead, you arose with him, praise God. And you're alive in him if you gave your heart to Jesus. I'm not talking religion here. I'm talking reality. I'm talking relationship Jesus said you must be born again not religious you must be born again I was in religion for 24 years you know what I wasn't born again you can be in church for 20 years and not be a Christian you know that you got to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and his blood you've got to be born again washed in the blood of the lamb according to Jesus who told that to this uh, Jewish leader and his last line of evidence is here Acts 2 24 and as we read these verses let me start by saying this one verse spoke about his what miraculous life one verse spoke about his meaningful death he took nine verses to talk about his magnificent resurrection from the dead and here they are let's read them whom god hath raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it for david speaketh concerning him I foresaw the Lord always before my face for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope because that because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption thou hast made known to me the ways of life thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance men and brethren let me freely speak unto you the Of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath, an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither. His flesh did see corruption. This Jesus had God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. What an ending to a sermon. He is saying, look, it was Christ. He's quoting Psalm 16. Let's read that real quick. He's quoting Psalm 16, verses 8 through 10. We got that? He's quoting this verse, and he is saying to the people that are the Jews and they all should know this he's quoting David's Psalm I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved therefore my heart is glad and my and, and my glory rejoice and my flesh also shall rest in hope for thou will not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption he's quoting that because he understood his audience he knew he was speaking to jews he knew that they knew the psalm they knew that it was david saying it but they didn't know that they knew it was christ the messiah that would, would be the one that he's speaking of but they didn't know that jesus of nazareth would be the messiah so he identifies jesus as being the one that david was speaking of that christ will sit on the throne He is saying he's the one you crucified him you did what you did but you know what God raised him from the dead praise God and he's alive right now now in the book of Acts look every sermon if you read the book of Acts here's where we're missing it in our society today don't get me wrong I believe that God wants us to be healthy and prosperous do you someone says are you one of those health and wealth preachers no I'm one of those he wants you sick and he wants you poor think it through people i know people abuse it get up in the morning how can i really be poor well first of all don't go to work we'll have a conference next week we'll set up a seminar we'll teach how to be poor and sick don't take care of your body wear yourself out don't eat right don't sleep right you know abuse it etc etc now i i believe that god wants us to be whole spirit soul and body don't you but you know where that starts? It starts at the cross. The message of the cross and the resurrection, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. Let's read this in Acts chapter 13. You read the, the book of Acts and you find out they preached the cross. And I'm going to quickly give you a testimony that I use on, on Friday night. Men and children, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, whosoever among you spirit God, to use the word of the Lord of salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and the rulers, because they knew him not, nor Yet the voices of the prophets who should have known which are read every Sabbath day. <clears throat> they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain and when they had fulfilled all that was written of him they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher but God raised him from the dead. There's your message right there. And he was seen of many days of them which came up from Galilee to Jerusalem who are with who are his witnesses unto the people, and we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made to the fathers, God had fulfilled the same unto us in their and their children, in that He hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son; this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that He raised up uh, him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, He said on this wise, I will give to you the sure mercies of David. This is a sermon that they're preaching everywhere they went and what I mean is this I believe that God wants us to be cared for provided for he wants us to be healthy and, and, and provided for he wants that but if that's all we're listening to then we're not listening to the true message of the cross on Friday night I share this testimony I think it bears repetition here this morning there, it, was, it was the Oprah show when Oprah had her show and the title of the show the name of the show was women that were having affairs with married men And of course, she has a group of people up there, and there's an audience there. And one lady was just talking about the affair she was having with this married man, and she said it made her happy. She was extremely happy. Then, of course, it was opened up to questions, and she asked one one of the ladies asked the question, "But what about morality?" Well, this woman was irate, irate. Morality. She said, "Look, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian," she said but I know I don't let my religion interfere with my personal life. Separation of church and state. She said I serve a God who wants me to be happy. And because he wants me to be happy and if this guy makes me happy he's okay with the relationship. Is that Christianity 101? He wants me to be prosperous and healthy, but he doesn't want me to walk with him and keep his laws, statutes, commandments, and judgments. In our society today, we've got a separation of person, lifestyle, personal lifestyle, and what the Christian faith is all about. The cross is a place of surrender. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me is the call of the cross is it not absolutely and so if we died with him we've been raised with him to the newness of life and we're told to walk with him and follow him closely praise God so let's conclude this with Harry Houdini anybody know of Harry Houdini the great escape artist Did you ever see some of the video about Harry Houdini how he would go underwater and have himself, you know, with handcuffs on and all that, and sort of he would you think he's gonna just drown there and somehow he gets out? Um, you can look at some of the things that he did. They're absolutely crazy, some of the things that he did, upside down one time and so on and so forth. But guess in 1926 before he died, guess what he told his wife at the time? He said, Honey, I don't want to die, but if there's a way out, I'll find it. Well, 1926, and my math serves me correctly, that's what, 93 years ago? Is that right? Any mathematician out there, is that 93 years ago? He's not out yet. He's not out yet. But I'll tell you, someone was and is... 2,000 years ago, they nailed him to a tree. 2,000 years ago, they put him in a borrowed tomb. And 2,000 years ago, a 4,000-pound rock could not hold him back or hold him down. All the chains of darkness could not hold him down. Some angel came and put that rock where it needed to be, far away from that opening of that tomb. And praise God, he emerged from that grave alive, conquering death, hell, and the grave for every single one of us. He's alive today. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Let's close it with these verses here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look, the miraculous life, the meaningful death and and the magnificent resurrection of Jesus speaks to our hearts. And I want you to know that Roman law, Greek culture, and Hebrew religion could never do for us what the resurrection of Jesus Christ did for us 2,000 years ago. Look at this message of Paul to the Corinthian church and remember they were a very licentious church. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. You think that that's something to wink at. You know how many people today do not believe that Christ is alive. Someone at school told Andrew one day Jesus isn't alive. He doesn't exist. And Andrew said oh yes he does. Mm -hmm. think about it there are so many don't even know he's alive but if there be no resurrection of the dead then is Christ not risen and if Christ be not risen then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain yea we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up if so be that the dead rise not for if the dead rise not then is Christ not Christ raised and if Christ be not raised listen your faith is vain you're yet in your sins then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished if in this life we only have hope in Christ we are all men most miserable but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept once again the first fruits he is alive and he is risen and look at this next verse how important this is that Paul gives to these people if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus what advantage it me if the dead rise not let us eat and drink. In our vernacular we say let us party. Let us chill. Let us have a great time. Just do your own thing. Live your own life. Ignore what God said. If it feels good, do it. You know what Paul was saying? If there's no resurrection from the dead, throw your book away, your Bible away, your Torah away, your Koran away. Throw it all away. There's no need to be here today because if that's it, when you die, you go back to the dust of the earth and that's it, you don't exist anymore, period. Unless you're like those that believe you float around in outer space and wait for reincarnation, you come back as a frog. Look what he says, because tomorrow we die. In other words, we'd be foolish to live a righteous, holy, godly life on this earth and not just experience what you want. That lady was having a wonderful time with her lover because it made her feel good. Well you know what she'll give an account one day of that. She will. There is a resurrection from the dead and there is a righteous judge that we're going to stand before and let's close it with this scripture in Daniel chapter 12 are you ready for it. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame. And notice the word everlasting contempt. And why do I point that out? Because there are those that say when you die that's it it's over or there's a short time of punishment that's it that's uh, it's over. Notice the word everlasting contempt. And they that be wise are we wise this morning. We got three wise people here this morning. shall shine as the sprightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You know what that means? You be a witness for Jesus and you tell people during this harvest season that we're in right now that you have to be born again, washed in the blood, following Jesus, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him and you live the way he wants you to live and you serve him the way he wants you to serve him. And don't just say I'm satisfied because I did this one time in church that makes me okay. Uh-huh. It's a relationship. You've been born again now walk with him and serve him. Can you say amen? Amen. You want to shine like the stars and tell other people about Jesus also.